your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today, I have a very special guest joining the podcast for the first time. It is the new full-time Penguins radio broadcaster, Josh Getzoff. Josh, how are you doing today, man? Hunter, great to join you. Uh, doing great. Ready to rock and roll with this season. Crazy to believe. I mean, the summer has seemed... Uh, even though it was short, I think all things considered, when you consider last season stretching a little bit later, uh, it seemed like it went so slow, and I'm so ready for this season. So happy to be on with you and ready to go. Yeah, I feel like the 56-gamer, it didn't go as fast as the 82-game one because I'm so used to all the 82-games just you know going from October to April in the snap of a finger. You know, they, those go by so quick. I'm excited that, you know, we're almost close back to a normal season. I know the Stanley Cup final is uh, slated to end at uh, the last possible day is June 30th. Usually it's mid-June. So um, I'm just definitely excited that we are getting back here in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. You know, I know the preseason is ending right before the Penguins head to Tampa Bay to see them raise their banner after they won their back-to-back cups. But um, anyways, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you, um, just want to take you way back a little bit. When did you first know that you wanted to be a broadcaster? And this goes for any sport, not just hockey. Sure, yeah. So I, I played hockey uh, my whole life. I still try to get on the ice when I can, obviously, with the world being what it has in the last year and a half. That's mm-hmm. been uh, few and far between. <laughs> but um, I played uh, hockey up until the end of my sophomore year at Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York. And I started playing when I was five years old. Um, just loved the sport, loved everything about it. But I also realized when I was about 12, uh, I was kind of, I guess, wise beyond my years at that point that I'm like, hey, a lot of my friends that I'm skating with and I'm on these teams with are getting asked to play on these tournament teams and getting asked to play on this AAA team. And this coach is talking to them after practice. And none of that's happening for me. Um, so maybe I'm not going to go to the NHL. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was kind of when it first dawned on me that I should probably have a backup plan. I mean, granted, you're 12. Your dream is to play in the NHL or whatever you're doing. Your dream is to be at the highest of your profession. But that dream quickly changed for me from playing to, to being involved in hockey. And I was a big newspaper kid. You know, I loved every morning going down and getting the paper and reading the sports page, sports page front to back. Still do that uh, here in Pittsburgh with the Post-Gazette. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm just very into knowing what's going on in the sports world. And I feel like I'd always been that way, even going back to when I was younger. So my thought was, well, I want to be in sports. If I can't play them, maybe I could broadcast them. So I just kind of dove into that. Uh, and what became something that seemed like it would be really fun has continued to be fun, but has evolved into an extreme passion for me. And I've been really fortunate to have great support from my uh, my family as far as not really questioning me when I wanted to go into this field. Because as you know, Hunter, uh, there are jobs that do well in this field. And there are a lot of jobs where, you know, you're not making the, the money that would sustain the lifestyle that a lot of people want to live. And, uh, you know, you have to pay some hard hours and some mm. difficult times and, and navigate some tough paths. But uh, it's all worth it, you know, if it's what you love doing. And that was how I've always viewed it. I continue to view it like that. Um, and yeah, I guess that's kind of put me on the path that I am today. But uh, just has always been what I've wanted to do. And I mean, it's cliche to say you're living a dream, but I definitely feel like every single chance I get to go on the air for the Penguins and, and anything for that matter, I, I kind of like pinch myself a little bit and say, well, I get to do this for a job. I mean, it, it's pretty lucky. And I definitely don't lose sight of that. That's that. That's awesome in, in all honesty, man. I mean, I remember, you know, I was kind of around the same age when I kind of started playing hockey. And then I realized when I was on the bottom six in the fourth line, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really going to go anywhere with this. So I better yeah. think of something else um, as well. There were players in the top six and in the top line that were just blowing past me in practice and scoring all the goals for our team. So it was just like, yeah, that this is not going to work. And then, you know, of all of all people, my family came up to me and just said, you know, you know a lot about sports. Why don't you just, you know, write and podcast about them? I was like, oh, I guess I, I took it right from there. And, um, you know, it's got me where I 
am today. So it's it definitely a little similarities between the two. Um, so based off that answer, it definitely sounds like with you, Josh, it was always hockey that you wanted to broadcast and not any other sport. Yeah, hockey's always been first and foremost. And I think that's just because it's always been, you know, the sport that I played the most growing up. I also played baseball uh, until I was in high school and on some club teams for that as well. And uh, always had an extreme and still do have an extreme interest in football. Um, but hockey's been, the, you know, the one that I played, the one I've always wanted to broadcast. And um, yeah, I guess it's been the one that I've always been drawn to. It's just something about the sport, something about uh, the energy that the sport brings, the the, uh, the skill, you know, the creativity. Um, I think, I mean, this is not up for debate, in my opinion. The playoffs are better than any league 100%. That, anywhere in the world. Um, so I just think that there's so many aspects of hockey that just make it such an entertaining and thrilling product that, you know, I've always been drawn to it and I've always wanted to work in it. Yeah, and, you know, you're going to be stepping into the spotlight even more this year. We're going to get to that. Um, a little bit as you'll be calling, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all 82 games for the Penguins on the radio network with uh, the old 2-9er Phil Bork, who I just, you know, I grew up listening to him. So um, he's always been a great listen to on the network, and I know you're going to do a great job for that as well. So fast forward a little bit, you know, now you get to call your first game for the Penguins. Just take me through that day with, you know, going into that broadcast. Just was it more excitement about it or was there also some nerves with it as well and actually which uh team was your first broadcast um against with the penguins like who did they play of course so i got lucky that my first broadcast i'll tell you both uh first preseason broadcast mm-hmm. and then first regular season was uh first preseason i got lucky they both were original six teams um but and as a hockey nerd i i love that <laughs> um but uh, the first preseason game I ever did was against the Detroit Red Wings at the Joe uh, oh. before they closed it down. Um, so obviously the Penguins have some pretty good memories in there. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to get in that building. I mean, that was that was so cool for me as a you know a fan of the sport, but also as someone who respects you know the, the history of hockey and, and the history of the Penguins and the Red Wings, which. You know, back when I did that game, I believe it was in 2016 or 2017. That It was the last year of the Joe. So um, I remember walking in the bowels of the arena that that morning when we were there. And, you you know, they had the old sign from the Olympia Stadium Mm -hmm. where the Red Wings played before they moved to Joe Lewis Arena. You have all these uh, names on the wall of the legends that have played there. And it's just such a cool thing to walk around and see. Uh, And then you get up to the booth, which is just I've come to realize, you know, now having been in in every stadium in the league, except for, you know, soon to be this December, Seattle, um, there aren't many buildings and many booths like Joe Lewis Arena. And I think it's, you know, it's a different stroke for different folk kind of situation there. It's it's close to the ice, but it's very crammed. Um, And I like that. Some people don't. Some people like their space. They like to spread out. They like all their notes all over the place. I do too, but in those kind of situations, I feel like you can deal with it for the aura of the moment. Um, and I just, I, I loved it. I mean, it was, it was great. I think the Penguins won the game. I remember Garrett Wilson uh, scored yep. on a wraparound goal uh, for the first goal I ever called for the Penguins in a preseason game. So that one uh, definitely, uh, you know, I'll never forget for many reasons. The first regular season game I ever called. Had a little bit of a different story, <laughs> and it was uh, a little bit of a different result, but it was very memorable for that reason alone. Um, so it was actually the first game that Steve Mears actually did, too, for the TV side, um, and it was the night after the Penguins raised their own banner against St. Louis, second half of a back-to-back. You might know where I'm going with this. Uh, it was in Chicago yeah. <laughs> at the United Center, and it was one of uh, Antti Niemi's few games in a Penguins sweater. And uh, we, you know, we got to the arena, just so excited. First game, as you mentioned, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do, something I've really, you know, put a lot of uh, time and effort into trying to get to that moment. Mike Lang obviously trusted me to fill into his seat that night. Uh, so I was psyched and I was ready to go. And um, the Blackhawks, uh, who had had a um, very unceremonious exit the year before, and Stan Bowman had been pretty vocal about them needing to push the pace. 
uh, did that. <laughs> they scored six goals in the first period, uh, <laughs> and they won the game 10-1. to 1. Yep. And I remember after the first period leaving the booth, um, and obviously Steve Mears had replaced Paul Steigerwald that season, um, and the TV and radio booths are on opposite sides of the center ice line in the United Center. Great vantage point, great building. Um, and Steve and I happened to walk out the same exact time, and uh, Mears, he just looked at me and he said, is it us? And this is after the first period when they're down six, nothing, I think it was. And I looked at him, I said, probably. (laughs) Um, And we just kind of laughed. And you know what, in a weird way, Hunter, after that happened and after that first period, all the nerves and everything that I had for the first game, those Mm kind of jitters, it just went away because the game was over. And I was able to just kind of call it and settle into my own rhythm. Um, And it was, you know, looking back on it, it's something funny to laugh about. But I do think it's also a little ironic because, as you mentioned, this will be this will be my first year uh, as the full time play by play voice for the Penguins on the radio side. And who's the first home game against Chicago? (laughs) It is pretty funny how things work out. Maybe this time the Penguins will have a 10 to one game. Uh, Oh, I love it. <laughs> they'll they'll score ten goals of their own, and then Chicago only scores one, and then you know then you can you and Steve can go out together and just be like, well, I guess it was just that one night. So that was I, I remember that game like it was yesterday, man. I mean, I think I think I was a I want to say a I think I was a junior at college at Virginia Tech. And I remember I turned on I tuned in that game. It was four nothing after after like the first few minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not wasting time on this. I got the alert. It was six nothing. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go do something else. That is a story that you can just take forever. You know, everyone would laugh at that for each time you tell it. So that's awesome. You know, Joe Louis arena, that was the one big problem with that arena that I had, Josh was that when you were watching the games on television, it was just you, every time a fan would stand up, you wouldn't be able to see anything. Especially if I think, cause I think the cameras were so high up or something like that. And, the, the, the seating bowl was right by them. So every time people would try to come in with beer or food, it would just be you couldn't see anything just because it, that's just the nature of it being an old barn. And that's like the biggest thing I remember about that. Now, okay, one more question before we do get, do we get to a small commercial break. Um, I, I was thinking about asking this. I'm going to go ahead and ask this. You, you said you've been to all arenas thus far except Seattle's. What is the absolute worst one that you have been to the call again if you're allowed to say that oh i'm i'm happy to share i think a lot of my broadcast brethren would agree with me on this one uh it would be without a doubt and this is more from the vantage point than the building the building isn't bad it's just the booth uh is new jersey um we are not terribly situated we're you know probably above the blue line closest to the penguins bench um where we will call the game from which isn't that uncommon for the radio position usually we're a little slanted off center ice tv generally gets the dead center positions for obvious reasons um and in jersey there's a weird netting thing that sits at the very top of the uh the ceiling essentially and i think it's for when the seton hall pirates play their basketball games there because they don't sell out at the prudential center and they put the tarps down on the upper deck to to you know eliminate that from mm-hmm. the the eyes view of people in the arena and people on television but they're kind of blocking the scoreboard when we're there so it's always a little bizarre because you'll look for the time on the clock and you know you'll look at a replay and you have to kind of like arch your neck and and hunch underneath um, so it's a little bizarre, uh, but from the Jersey standpoint, you know, Lou Lamorello knew, knew what he was doing with the block numbers on the arms yep. and, and the shoulders and the back and the devil devils are very easy to read uniforms. So those are, uh, definitely, um, not the issue. It's more the vantage point, uh, as far as that's concerned. So I would say that's probably the hardest one, uh, from just a broadcast perspective. A lot of people would probably agree with me or rank it somewhere up highly, uh, as far as the, the places they least like to go to call the game, you're definitely not the first one, you know, to say something along those lines. I think I um, think when Josh and Rob were talking the athletic about you know their best arenas that they travel to, they like to you know just write about a game. I think New Jersey was ranked up as one of the worst. So um, <laughs> you are definitely not the first in that regard. That's for sure. I think that's an arena I'm probably not going to go to at some point if I had the choice. Um, 
of course, but we still have a lot more to get to with Joss um, coming up in the next two segments, so stick around for that. Now, before we get back to our talk with Josh Getzoff, we do have to talk about, or excuse me, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite shows, sports, and movies all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop the waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. We also have to talk about... Built Bar and its many, many delicious flavors. There is something for everyone. If you don't know the flavors, well, here are a few that I'll list off right now. Strawberry, which is awesome. Double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry. My personal favorite, which is the cookies and cream German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Uh, most of the flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein. They're all Really good, very healthy. The calories range from 130 to 180. They have only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back here for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember, you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguins and my Twitter at Hunter Hodes. So, um... I wanted to get into this now, Josh, you know, obviously with Mike Lang retiring, you're stepping in for a living legend. You know, I personally think, and I know a lot of Penguins fans feel this way as well. He is the greatest broadcaster to ever live in hockey. Um, What I wanted to know was what was the best piece of advice that he gave to you, you know, after the announcement came out as you step in now to call your first 82 game season. Um, so first of all, I agree with you. He is the voice of the Penguins and he forever will be, uh, there's definitely no part of me that's looking to replace anything that he is, Mm -hmm. was, and will be to Penguins fans that listen to him throughout the last, you know, what, four plus decades. (laughs) It's crazy when you say it out loud that he was a team voice for 46 years and, uh, called hockey for 50. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, and it's it's unbelievable. You can only, someone can only hope to do it for that long or have that kind of a career. But there's a reason that few do, um, and that's why he is who he is and has had the career that he's had. Uh, so you know, I, I hold him in the highest regard, obviously as a broadcaster, but also as a person. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, I just been I've been pretty fortunate with him uh, from the get go. That. Um, you know, Mike and I first met, I told this story before we were in training camp in 2015, my first year with the Penguins. I remember him and Phil Bork came up to me in the locker room. I was uh, kind of being introduced to some of the players, making my rounds, because at that point I was doing the pregame, postgame intermissions on the radio. Mm. Um, and Mike came up to me and we talked for a little bit. And he said, you know, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 27. And he just started laughing. He like kind of put his arm around me. I just met him. And I, obviously, you know, much like you, much like anyone else is in the broadcasting realm, it's Mike Lang. I'm like, whoa, he just put his arm around me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, I was 27 when I came to Pittsburgh. And he started, he like patted me and I, I, I didn't, I'll tell you this in the moment, Hunter, it didn't really resonate with me, but since then in the days and years that have followed, especially as I've grown with the relationship with him, it has meant a lot more to me, those words. Like, I feel like he had more meaning in those words to me in the moment than I realized uh, as far as where, how he viewed me and where he was hoping that would go as far as our relationship and my trajectory with the team. So, um, you know, he's, he's been an unbelievable resource continues to be, uh, Phil Bork and I just called the free, first preseason game, uh, on uh, Monday night. And he made sure to, to let me know first preseason game is the voice of the penguins. They get shut out. Good job. That's what he texted me. So <laughs> he's, he's always, you know, he's always got a joke or two and he's always got the text messages still going. He's, he's just a great guy. Uh, he's taught me so much. I've been so lucky that my first couple of years when I was exclusively doing the pre post and intermissions, um, I got to listen to him and Phil every night. And I got to listen to it in a different light than the normal listener because I was in the studio so I could hear uh, things in the producer's ear um, that, that people listening on the regular radio side wouldn't be able to hear stuff in a commercial break when he would point things out when he would you know even coach Borky during commercial breaks okay like, hey, Borky maybe maybe lay off on this guy let's see what he does on the next shift or something like that and it just kind of teaches you that uh, you know one how to approach it to, to be it or try to be at a level that he's at but two to also 
see how he embraces Borky as a partner and see how Borky embraces him. And I think that, you know, I was fortunate to listen to that. I was also extremely fortunate that right out of the gate, my first year, Borky and I did the postgame show together uh, every night. Mm -hmm. And we built a relationship pretty quickly with that. Um, and he and I are now really good friends. We got together multiple times this summer. We both have young kids that have already met each other and, you know, coughed on each other and grabbed each other. They're both infants still, so they have no idea what's going on. But um, we've joked that there'll be a, uh, you know, a daycare in the broadcast booth at times this year. Um, but, you know, he and I have become really good friends and Mike and I obviously are very good friends and very close. And I consider them both mentors in a way, but for different reasons. And, you know, to, to kind of make a roundabout way back to what you originally asked me, his advice to me when that announcement came out, mm. I had known it was coming uh, since, you know, pretty much the beginning of the offseason when he decided it was just a matter of when they were going to roll it out and how he wanted to talk about it. Um, but he said to me, he said, you know, just make it your own. And I think, you know, with all due respect to Mike and who he was, as I've said to many people before, I'm not him. I mean, you're, those, those kind of calls that were synonymous with Mike, they're going to end with Mike because that's mm -hmm. who he was. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to tell Sidney uh, um, Crosby to slap me silly when he scores a goal. It's just, that's just not me. That's yeah. Mike Lang. And, you know, you'll never hear, look out Loretta. You'll never hear any of that stuff. And it's not because... I have any disrespect to that. It's actually because I have so much respect for who he is and those sayings being his that I feel weird even trying to incorporate those in because it's not who I am. And I think he wanted me to make that clear to me when we talked. He said, just be you, you know, make, write your own story. I've had my time. This is your time. There's a whole new group of Penguins fans come in, coming in. The team is, you know, obviously seeing a bit of a changeover with the roster this is the time for you to make your imprint and build your rapport with the, with, with all those types of things. So uh, to say that I'm coming out with one liners would be a lie. That's not really my style, but I can tell you that I I'm going to continue to just, you know, work as hard as I can to get better every broadcast and uh, you know, build that rapport with Penguins fans that I feel like has begun already having called, you know, a decent amount of games the last few years, especially last year um, as they won that division championship. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm eager to get started, but certainly so aware and respectful of who Mike was and, and what he brought in all those years before me. Yeah, I can definitely tell you that a lot of people in this fan base are very, you know, obviously with the announcement made people sad, but everyone is very excited moving forward, having you there with Phil Ward, just because, you know, the games have sounded awesome on the radio, you know, even when, you know, Mike was out, you know, with everything that was going on. Um, but you know, I, I am excited, Josh, for you to have your own, um, catchphrases at some point. I know that's going to happen, um, some, some point in some of your broadcasts for games. And I, I can't wait to hear them while I'll be listening with you and Phil Borky. And, you know, maybe at some point, both of your kids, that'll be the next dynamic duo in the Penguins, um, radio <laughs> network for them calling games like 20, 30 years down the line. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm really excited for that. You know, it's now people are going to, I think going to have to really decide who do you want to, I think some people that I know in the fan base, they sync up the TV to the radio call. That was what they did with Mike Lang. I imagine that's definitely going to continue there with you as well. Just because even though, you know, sometimes the radio is a little, I guess, two seconds behind the TV, it's still worth it. I mean, I did that so many times when I was a kid, when Mike was calling games, um, for the Penguins Radio Network, and just because it, it's crazy to think that he was the voice for people growing up in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, like me, and then even um, in the early 2010s. And you know, I think you know you're, you're going to be the voice of a lot of young Penguins fans growing up now in the 2020s. You know, probably even in the 2030s, even which is it's crazy to think that you know they, those nine years will fly by. But um, I, everyone is very excited for this. Um, Another question I have before we do get to a commercial break, where we'll talk about the current team. Um, are you just ready to get this going with the regular season, or you know, is is, is there a bit more nerves coming with this, this first one out of eighty-two? Um, I would say that you know, I think in a way, it's it's. Listen, I mean, we've been pretty spoiled with the Penguins, obviously, that the fact that they've won so many Stanley Cups and won a few here recently that. 
that banner raising night in Tampa, it'll be special to see. I mean, it's definitely going to be cool to see them honored as, you know, the first back-to-back champs since the Penguins did it. Um, and all of a sudden, something that people thought never would be done has now happened, what, four times in the last six years. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, not that hard. I shouldn't say not that hard, but not that out of the realm of possibility anymore. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, I, I do think – you know, that first night will be special as far as uh, everything going on in Tampa and being in the building and the banner raising. But um, I'm definitely just trying to every single preseason game to me is a preseason game for me and Phil uh, and our broadcast team. Also, just to kind of get all the kinks worked out so that, you know, when we do come on the air on October the 12th in Tampa Bay, uh, we're going to have a lot of time to talk. I mean, we, we've working. I've already talked about this as far as breaking down the team, as far as. Uh, you know, looking what's ahead, you know, addressing some of the needs. There's going to be a lot of time to fill there because they do the whole banner raising. There's on-ice celebrations. And then eventually there's a hockey game after all that, which we will very much look forward to calling. But, I mean, that's going to kind of be the gist of things on that front uh, that night. But, I, you know, I look at it as they, they have Buffalo on Friday. That's another opportunity to get more reps in, get better, get more familiar with the pace of play. Uh, after not calling a game for a few months here. Uh, and then you have a few home games in a row. And then really those last two road games on October 7th and October 9th in Detroit and, and uh, Columbus, those are going to be for, much like for the team, uh, much like for Mike Sullivan and his staff, for Phil and I, those are going to be the last two real, okay, let's kind of take this up to a notch we haven't gotten to yet and hit the gas pedal to get going into the regular season for October 12th. That's how we've approached it, at least in the preseason the last couple of years. So obviously no preseason last year, but in the couple of years prior to that. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why we'll do that differently. And uh, yeah, I mean, counting the days would be an understatement, Hunter. I cannot wait to get going. Trust me, man. I think everyone in this fan base, you know, covers the team, you know, broadcast the team um, is more than ready for these next two weeks to fly by and you know now this will be your first uh full-time 82 game regular season uh, well excuse me excuse me there it'll be your first full season on the road starting in tampa hopefully you know they don't score 10 goals on the penguins that night just like chicago did with your first road game in 2017 even though you know you didn't have the full-time gig yet but hopefully history doesn't repeat itself on with that though i don't think it will i think it's going to be a very special environment there um and seeing both the the latest back-to-back champions in the same building. Um, you can't script it any better, I don't think, for your first game, at least in my opinion, Josh. Um, but we still have a little more to get to for this episode of Locked on Penguins. We're going to talk to Josh in the next segment about his thoughts on the current team, training camp, preseason, all of that jazz coming up in the next segment. Now, I know you all want to get back to listening to my interview with Josh Getzoff, but uh, Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron. As teams are back playing to start another football season. BetOnline is always your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can head to the website or use your phone to sign up today to receive your 100% off welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up with the NFL. Co- well, wait, excuse me, with the promo code NFL100 is again the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That is BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hody. So, Josh, you've been there at training camp for almost, I think it's been almost a week now that they've been practicing. They just had their first preseason game. Um, Who has really impressed you thus far at training camp and preseason that you, you maybe didn't expect to? Um, I would say there's a couple guys that jump out to me. Uh, you know, Nate Legaray is just a strong kid, obviously third rounder in 2019. And Phil Bork talked about him the other night uh, during the Columbus game. And getting to see him in action again, I think just reminds you that there's no disrespect to Sam Poulin, who obviously was a first rounder for the Penguins since 2019 and, and certainly will have a productive NHL career ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But Lega Ray seems to me a guy that could come in and contribute, you know, in an offensive fashion pretty immediately for the Penguins if given the opportunity. That is a big if, given their salary cap uh, situation and, you know, how he would factor in, despite even being on an entry-level contract. Um, so I, I think that I, I kind of temper the excitement there because I don't know if he will be on the roster opening night, but he's jumped out. I've, I've been impressed with him. Uh, as far as guys that will be on the opening night roster, I mean, I really like what I'm seeing from Teddy Bluger, and I think that Teddy knows, and, you know, I know Teddy well. This is a guy that, 
Um, you have to remember, it's been a, a hell of a road for him to just get to be a full-time NHL or yeah. getting drafted way back in 2012 and not making his debut uh, in the league until 2019. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a long time coming for him and he's embraced it and he's risen up the ranks and, and gained some trust for Mike Sullivan. And I think he's going to really be looked at, um, obviously as a defensive, uh, stalwart for this team, centering that line with, you know, if, and when Zach Aston Reese is off the COVID list and, and healthy, uh, I would assume it's going to be Aston Reese and Brock McGinn today in practice, Bluger skated with McGinn on the left. He flipped into Aston Reese's spot and Dan Heinen was on the right. Um, so I, I think that, you know, in any event, that combination of McGinn and Bluger will be together, which leads you to believe they're probably going to be a bottom six line for Mike Sullivan. Um, and I, I think that that necessarily doesn't mean that they're not going to be counted on for some offensive contributions. And Teddy is a guy that I've been impressed with. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. And he got some valuable leadership experience this summer when he uh, captained Latvia in the Olympic qualifiers to qualify for the Beijing Olympics. So um, he wore the seat for them. So I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a guy that is getting more confident in his abilities and where he stands on a bigger stage. And I'm, I'm curious to see where he's at uh, just to kind of, you know, throw two more names at you real quick that have jumped out to me. I mentioned Heinen. Uh, I thought he was pretty quiet in the preseason game, but he's a smooth skater. He's a strong skater. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, I think the Penguins probably look at as someone that could trickle up and down the lineup, not necessarily sure if they have him uh, in Sharpie in any particular spot. Um, but, you know, obviously Aston Reese's availability is probably going to play into some, um, you know, ramifications as far as where he sits. But he's another one. And then, you you know, you got your top guys. I, I, I think Jay Gensel looks smooth. Brian Rust, he's in a contract year, which, you know, could be a gift and a curse for the Penguins if he explodes once again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Jeff Carter, I, I think, looks strong and looks looks ready. I mean, he's 36. I think it's unrealistic to expect what we got from him last year is going to continue as far as the, the uh, rapid productivity. But he's going to need to be serviceable, and he's going to need to produce in that top center role without Sid and Gino to start the year. Yeah, you know, don't don't tell uh, the Penguins Jesus Twitter account that Jeff Carter won't be that productive just because he'll come up with <laughs> a, awesome. yeah he'll he'll come up with a whole bunch of uh, tweets right right to you to get in your mentions there. But no, we we, we are we we love Penguins Jesus. Um, on this podcast, that's a great account. Um, Danton Heinen, you know, I definitely agree with you with what I've been seeing with videos and practice reports. I mean, I had a bold prediction coming into this season that he was going to go back to his days where he was with Boston, where he was a half a point per game player. I think Mike Sullivan's system really suits him. Um, Nathan Ligarieri, I, I think his speed really jumped out at me on that first preseason game because he's not been someone, you know, you look at the scouting reports for him and you watch him play in junior and stuff. His speed didn't really jump out at you then, but it looks like he's definitely gotten faster as he's come up uh, for this training camp. Uh, Loved your point about Teddy Bluger. I think when um, everyone is fully healthy, they may try to do that McGinn, Aston Reese, Bluger line, just because I think the team might think that McGinn is the tandem replacement, but can add maybe a little more, punch offensively because the defensive metrics for both of them were pretty similar, if I recall correctly, um, last year. Now, another player I did want to get your thoughts on, Josh, uh, P.O. Joseph. I think a lot of people in the fan base are waiting for him to make the jump to the big league full-time. I mean, I am someone who has the opinion that he should be in the top six as currently constructed, but the problem is they have a big logjam on left defense with Brian Dumoulin. Marcus Pedersen, Mike Matheson, he has that very long contract for, I think, around 4.87 per year. Uh, just w- what are your thoughts on P.O. Joseph, and do you think he could m- maybe force the management management's hands into a difficult decision after the training camp? So I think P.O. Joseph's going to be an interesting study for the Penguins this season because, I mean, when you look at last year, um, I really believe that he carried himself well. I mean, yeah. and, and his – you know, Mike Sullivan's usage of him would speak to that, right? Like he was on the top pair when Brian Dumoulin was out with mm-hmm. Chris Letang. Like he's, if he was not gaining the trust of the coaching staff to log big minutes, log situational minutes and log matchup minutes against some of these teams. I mean, listen, the East division last year, we remember it was the best division in hockey and he's skating in the top pair for the Penguins. Yeah. Um, so I think that that speaks volumes as to the impact he made off the bat. 
You're right about a couple of things. There's some contracts on the Penguins blue line that certainly need to be sorted out uh, as far as whether or not they're here for the long term and whether or not uh, the Penguins would want to bite any more kind of a financial bullet to not have them be in their, you know, top six or, or even uh, roster for that matter, um, which, you know, I, I don't foresee that being a, pro- a a thing that would come up with guys like Matheson or even a guy like Marcus Pedersen. Like, I believe those guys uh, will be in the lineup and, and will stay in the lineup. So really you're looking, in my opinion, on the blue line, you're looking at that sixth defenseman slot because to me, uh, you're going to see probably Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang, obviously. Yeah. I think you'll see uh, Mike Matheson and John Marino. I think Marcus Pedersen's going to be the left side on that that uh, third pair. So do you have P.O. play his offhand, or do you go to a natural righty in Chad Ruedel, or do you go to another guy on his offhand that Ron Hextall loves in Mark Friedman? Those are really the three options for me, I think, as far as who's going to be there. And I don't think it's going to be P.O. at least off the top because of what I just said with him being in his offhand and him, you know, third pair to me just doesn't speak to what he potentially could be for the Penguins. I'm not saying he's not going to be on the Penguins by maybe even November or December. I just don't necessarily think he's going to start the season in the top six, barring that there's no injuries here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think he's, you know, a guy that's obviously put a lot of strength into and a lot of focus into his overall strength in the last offseason. It was interesting talking to him at camp a couple days ago. Um, he mentioned he spent so much time on the ice this summer uh, just skating alongside the likes of Chris Letang in Quebec. Um, he was with his brother, Matt Joseph, who obviously has been you know somewhat a part of those back-to-back cups for the Lightning. Um, he was with Marco Scandella, a longtime NHL defenseman. And he's with Jonathan Huberdeau, who is a stud, as we know, and we're going to see very early in the season for the Florida Panthers. So to me, you're skating with an elite defenseman there uh, in Gubatang. You're skating with an established and longtime defenseman in Scandella. Um, you're skating with your brother who, you know, it doesn't necessarily have the bulk of NHL experience, but has just seen what it takes firsthand to win the Stanley Cup on back-to-back occasions. And you're skating against and, and maybe trying to learn the moves and anticipate the thought process of an elite playmaking scorer in Jonathan Huberto. So I do think he probably had a, a very fruitful summer as far as what he gained in between the ears and what he gained on a you know a size and strength fact. Um, and I, I am curious to see how his development continues. Now, I think he's best served if he's not in the Penguins lineup. He's best served in Wilkes-Barre. And he has a contract that can go down there and not have to cr- cross over waivers or w- risk losing him or anything like that. So that's why I think that at the beginning of this year, he's probably going to be in northeastern Pennsylvania playing for the baby pens. But, I mean, listen, we, Penguins have an eight-game homestand. Uh, in October, and then there's a whole lot of travel right around Thanksgiving going into the beginning of December. So uh, if there are injuries or guys have to come on board, extra names and extra numbers, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the first to get the phone call uh, from Ron Hextall in uh, Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, you know, the the thing with P.O., I mean, if he were to make the team, I would want him playing. I wouldn't want him kind of just, you know, being – I, I, a passenger like Yuso Rikula kind of was last year where he was just in the press box every night. I don't think that would really do anything for his development. I would want him playing on a nightly basis so he can continue to get reps. You know, I think I would say the same with Cam Lee. He's also impressed me almost as much as P.O. has, especially in that first preseason game where he had, um, I believe it was six shots on goal and seemed very shifty with the puck. So, um, I definitely think I wonder. I'm wondering if that could be a pair down in Wilkesbury uh, to start the season because I don't think both of those uh, players will be on the 23-man roster to open the season. But um, Po is definitely someone I am excited about. I'm hoping at some point here down the road that he is on the team full time. I think they're starting to groom him right now, but I- I'm still not sure if he's going to make it. Just because you know, as I said, you know, just. Those, the log jam on defense, especially on the left side, is a lot right now. Um, now, with your total expectations for the team, um, a lot of people have been down on them just because Evgeny Malkin's going to miss at least the first two months. I don't know if he's going to be out longer than that. Sidney Crosby's missing at least the first week with that wrist surgery. Um, I don't particularly think the Metropolitan Division is as good as it as it normally is. I mean, I like Carolina, but their goaltending kind of scares me. The Islanders are obviously going to be really good. But after that, you have a lot of teams that are just, you know, the Capitals are getting older. 
The Rangers have some good talent, though they kind of added a lot of sandpaper this season, which I didn't really understand. The Flyers are kind of a wild card. Where do you see the Penguins finishing in that division? And just, you know, what are your expectations overall for the team this year? Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that about the Metro division because I heard it actually this morning. I was listening to Sirius uh, NHL radio and Gord Stellick, who hosts the morning show on there, referred to the Metro division, made me laugh. And I really thought about it. And he's, he's not wrong. He called it a jump ball yeah, uh, because of how, as you just mentioned, there, there are a lot of teams that are good. There are a lot of teams that probably think they could be into the playoffs this year, but there are also not that many spots to go around. Um, and you're right. I, I think when you talk about the top of the division, it is hard to say it's not the New York Islanders as 1A, and I'm, I'm, I am high on the Hurricanes. I'm, I put them right there, if not parallel, they're 1B uh, to where the Islanders are. But after that, uh, it's open. I really do think that. And I also think, you know, Phil and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks. Last year was great to win the division, um, but I don't think that that's as big of a deal anymore. You've seen teams so often now the last – I mean, really, honestly, go back to when the cap – became a thing in the NHL in 2006. Um, when, when, when you get in, anything can happen. Yeah. And Ron Hextall knows this firsthand with his LA team in 2012, that eight seed that went on to win the Stanley cup. Um, so I think that this is a Penguins team that probably is going to understand that there may be a bit of a gift behind the curtain. If they can somehow keep their heads above water without Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin for the time that you mentioned, particularly with Malkin, I mean, realistically, I think you're looking around Christmas at the earliest that he'd be back. Yeah. And that's probably just on the dot as far as the, the earliest projections are concerned. So uh, it's going to be a big ask without him. But if they can find a way to stay in the in the hunt and stay right in the mix, um, listen, I mean, those two guys are fresh. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's something to be said for that. I think that's going to be big. But I'd also say, you know, and this is what gives me a lot of confidence, Hunter. I'm not, I'm not just trying to pump the Penguins' tires because I work for the team and I call games for the team. But, I mean, you look back in the last few years, you know it just as well as I do. This team has had some injuries and then some. And when they're missing these key players, Mike Sullivan does his most masterful coaching jobs. 100%. It almost doesn't even make sense when those guys come back that they then somehow lose five games in a row. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's it's it would not shock me if, like, say Sidney Crosby misses the first six games of the year. It would not shock me if the Penguins pull off like a four one and one or a three one and two type thing and get a ton of points. And people are like, "How the hell did they do that?" That and, that, that would be peak Penguins, man. That, that that's just like the Mike Sullivan thing. Um, in a nutshell. And I've noticed that too, Josh, you know, when one or two of the star players are out, they play tighter defensively. Um, obviously I'm not going to say on this podcast, so the Penguins are better off without one or two of the centers. That's just not accurate at all. But it is kind of interesting that they, they do play some of their best hockey, especially in the defensive zone when one or both of the centers are hurt. Yeah, and I think that there are two aspects that are going to have to be a part of that to, to what you just mentioned, playing better defensive hockey. One, I mean, we haven't even talked about Tristan Jari, but listen, I mean, we all know how last season ended. There's going to be a big spotlight on him, and he's going to have two massive tests right out of the gate, presumably, with Tampa, and then don't sleep on the Florida Panthers. That's a hell of a hockey team down there, too. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's going to have some tests early, and the Penguins are going to have to – find the middle ground between that up-tempo type of pace that Mike Sullivan likes to play while also having some kind of defensive mindedness and awareness to their game. And, you know, the players that they're going to have in their lineup, especially down the middle, do have that in their game. Teddy Bluger, I mentioned, Jeff Carter, he joked in camp that he hasn't been in top center since he was in Philly just because <laughs> of who he's played behind in L.A. Yeah. Um, and then coming here to Pittsburgh. Um, so I think that, you know, he, he'll be still have that kind of a defensive thought in his mind while also wanting to produce offense. And Evan Rodriguez is a guy, I think I, I based on what we saw today, uh, I would say he has the inside track to be one of those four centers. And I've always thought since they signed him to a PTO, that Brian Boyle was going to be on the opening night roster as the fourth line center. It just makes a lot of sense from a size and, uh, you know, dependability standpoint. So you have some guys there that, I'm not sitting here saying that this is a team that, you know, is going to light the 
fear of God into another team with their lineup, but they do have responsible players. And that's got to count for something as far as keeping the puck out of your net, making things a little bit easier on Tristan Jari, uh, and then kind of trying to push the offense maybe when you can. And that's going to be the biggest challenge, I think, for the Penguins for me is to keep the mindset of wanting to score but also understanding that you don't necessarily have the full complement of options that help you score and you have to kind of play a different way as a result. So uh, maybe there will be some surprises in there uh, as far as who steps up in the Penguins lineup. But I definitely think that to your point, there's going to have to be a a far more emphasis on, Hey, let's try to win this game three, two, let's try to win this game two, one instead of, Oh, we're down two nothing. All right. We'll flip the switch and try to score six goals here over the next two (laughs) periods. Like they can't, they can't operate like that or they're going to be in trouble. And I don't think they will. I don't think Mike Sullivan will have that kind of a mindset trickle into that room uh, with the, the ability to start this camp kind of on this foot in a different kind of setting without Sid and Gino um, and, and be able to put a footprint on things right away. Yeah, you know, they won't have basically the depth that Colorado and Tampa have. You know, say if they were down 2 nothing, they can just go right out and, you know, wake up. You know, you said it best that the Penguins have done that um, a bunch over the years when Sid and Gino are healthy. They just they flip the switch whenever they're playing bad, and they'll just come back winning game 4-2, 5-2. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, last thing, though, Josh, you mentioned a little bit in your answer just now, Tristan Jari. Um, that's a that's the biggest question mark I think I and a lot of other people have with this team. You know, how is the goaltending going to hold up? That playoff series against the Islanders is still... Very fresh in people's minds. I, I'm of the opinion that I think they win that series outright if they probably get 9-10, 9-15 goaltending from him because they, you look at, you know, you watch the games, you look at the underlying numbers, they were the better team, I think, in at least four of those six games, maybe four and a half, close, closer to five. Um, what are your expectations for Tristan and Casey DeSmith uh, this year before you go? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Hunter. I, I think Tristan would agree with you, too. I mean, the Penguins, people say, like, oh, it's sour grapes to look back on it like that, but they were the better team. Like, who, who are we f- fooling you? If you watch every game, and, and you did, and I did, and we saw them firsthand, but Penguins were the better team yeah. in, in almost every single one of those games, and goaltending was what failed them. And uh, they, they've admitted as much, and Trist- Tristan Jari's admitted as much, and you know, he's not a guy that I think has a lot of emotion. Uh, and that I don't mean that as a knock on him. He just doesn't, he's not going to showcase it one way or the other. He's not going to smash his stick over the net. Um, he's not going to be a guy who's, you know, throwing a tantrum in between goal if, if things you know aren't going his way. He's also not a guy in a post-game availability that's going to look like he has a whole lot of reflection with his answer and facial expressions but that doesn't mean that it's not going on inside his head and I really do think it did you know the Penguins made one move on the goaltending front this offseason that I'm curious to see how it plays out uh, when they let go of Mike Buckley Mm -hmm. who was very close with Matt Murray not as close with Tristan Jari uh, and brought in Andy Kyoto who is a and I mean this I, I love Andy I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last month or so uh, he's a maniac and he is a different kind of coach uh, that will bring a different kind of atmosphere approach. And I think result uh, to that goaltending position, he has a relationship already having been in the Penguins organization as a development coach the last few years, he's worked with Tristan. He's worked with Casey DeSmith. These guys know him. They know what they're getting into with him. And there has been a lot of one-on-one instruction with both of those guys. I'd throw Louis Domingue into that conversation as well, as far as who I've watched Kyoto kind of spending extra time with uh, in training camp so far. And I think that that's important. I mean, it's good. Kyoto told me before the season started that you learn through osmosis as a goaltender. And he would know. I mean, he's played in nine different pro leagues. He's played in nine different countries. I and mean, he's played in the NHL, obviously, with the Penguins. He's seen a lot. He's been through a lot. He's experienced a lot. And he said, you know, a lot of experience and gain from ex- gains from those experiences has to happen by actually going through it. And that was Tristan's first go around the playoffs last year. And he learned, unfortunately, the hard way that you can become the story in a negative tone very quickly and uh, things can turn on you very fast in the postseason. So I think he'll be better off for it. Um, I have a lot of hope for Tristan Jari. I'm cheering for the kid. I like him. Uh, I do think that as a 26-year-old, the best hockey is still in front of him. Um, and you have to remember that uh, the Penguins, when you look at the grand scheme, a lot of people were saying 
Um, let's go out. Let's get a goalie. Let's make a move. Let's yeah. get Tristan Jari out of here. Well, I kind of looked around as things were happening in free agency, and I thought to myself, how would that happen? And this is what I mean by that. For example, the New Jersey Devils signed Jonathan Bernier, who did not win, I don't believe, more than 10 or 12 games last year for the Detroit Red Wings. He's making over $4 million a year for the Devils. That was a lot of money. <laughs> Tristan Jari makes three and a half, and he won 25 games last year. So, I mean, and he's on that for one more year after this one. So that's how I look at it. I mean, you, you can say you want to replace him. My response would be with who and how. And I think that this is a guy that maybe is worth another opportunity this year. Now, listen, if, if it's a slow start for him this year, if the Penguins start to free fall, I don't put it past Ron Hextall at all to figure out a way to address that problem. And he will. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tristan Jari is going to um, silence some people. And I think he's going to have a strong showing this year and a, a big bounce back performance. And I'm, I'm really rooting for him. Well, I can definitely say that I and a lot of other people, you know, that obviously root for the team, you know, cover the team, are definitely hoping for a big bounce back from Tristan. I've said on this podcast and on my Twitter so many times when watching games, if this team gets average goaltending, they will win a lot of games in this league. That's really all they need also to, when they're really healthy, to win a couple rounds in the playoffs or even go win another Stanley Cup. They just need the average goaltending. And when they don't get that in the playoffs, whether that's him, whether that was Matt Murray a couple times, or even Marc-Andre Fleury, many years ago, especially against the Flyers and the Bruins, um, they didn't go anywhere. So if they can get average goaltending, I think that will solve um, a lot of the issues with the team. And I think that will also silence some people, as you just said. But Josh, again, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Locked on Penguins. I really appreciate it. You brought some awesome stuff to the table here and i can't thank you enough for it yeah hunter no problem great to be on with you and like i said uh, happy to join you whatever you want during the season it should be a fun little ride for us absolutely yeah i'm sure you know maybe halfway through you know maybe closer to the trade deadline i'll have to send out another text or something to have you come on and just you know get your thoughts on what the team could need or you know what you're what you've been seeing so far through the season so um, again thank you you can listen to all of the games on the penguins radio network with him and phil bork he also has a twitter where you can go follow him so Check them out there. Go listen to the games on the uh, Penguins Radio Network, and um, we'll do another one of these episodes tomorrow.